The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. You know, the most basic definition of a mystery is that a mystery is a truth that we do not fully comprehend. Sometimes that mystery might be solved as we do comprehend it or come to. Sometimes it isn't. And sometimes the greater the mystery becomes, the more we seek to solve it. And then just when we think we've solved it, we realize that the mystery's only gotten greater. For instance, if a scientist stares at the cosmos, that scientist may begin to understand things not understood before. At the same time, the mystery becomes greater. He isn't solving all the mystery. He's only expanding it. Because we realize there are more things that we don't understand. The ancients probably thought they had it pretty much together compared to us. So we have that mystery. Today we have the greatest of all mysteries. The mystery of the very reality of God's life the mystery of the Trinity. It's the Sunday in which I least like to preach because it's preaching about something we cannot possibly grasp. And yet, we can know the Trinity and love the Trinity, but never fully understand the Trinity. If ever there's a Sunday when a priest is going to very likely preach heresy, this is that Sunday. But he won't know that he's doing it, probably. Because the mystery goes so far beyond anything we can understand. How do we grasp the infinite? You know, every time we say something true about God, we say something that's false. Because we see something in our terms and not in his. So if I say that God is love, I'm saying something true. But I'm only speaking from my understanding of love and my experience of it. And God's isn't that. God is infinitely above that, and I can't possibly grasp it, nor describe it. So what do we do with the mystery of the Trinity, then? Well, to begin with, we can say this about it. We can say a great deal about the Trinity, but as as I said, as we say it, the mystery gets bigger. We can say this, that the Father has one thought, Remember, we're speaking in terms of the infinite. 
That thought is the word. And is a person, a distinct person. And the love between the word and the father is a distinct person, the Holy Spirit. That's confusing enough. But when you think that they aren't all part of God, they're just one God. The Father is fully God, the Son is fully God, the Holy Spirit is fully God. Equal in majesty, in eternity, the mystery just continues to grow. And yet, in God we see the perfect love. God isn't just one person loving himself, as Islam would see it. God is an infinite act of love from all eternity. And that comes then to us. What do we do with it? Well, we can say that the Trinity is reflected in all of creation, and it is. I've said before, every atheist creates a God in his mind who doesn't exist and then denies that God. Because the God who is is so self-evident that, as Plato said, you would have to be insane to deny it. So how do we see it in our world? How do we see this being who loves us infinitely more than we can even begin to imagine love to be? Well, for instance, if you look at the world in which we live, you will sometimes see glimpses of the Trinity. In fact, a great deal if we really think about it. St. Patrick used the example of a clover, shamrock. St. Joseph of Cupertino took a blanket and wrapped it into three folds. But of course they all fall short in our human experience, and they're meant to. But think of our own condition, the reflections of the Holy Trinity in our human experience. One of the greatest, of course, is going to be in the family. Father, mother, child, that's the reflection of God's love in the, in the finite love of a human being. The family is this beautiful image of the Trinity, as is the love between the members of the family, a reflection of that love of the Trinity. But even think of mere friendship, the love of one friend for another. The love goes beyond just the two of them. In our case, it doesn't become a person, as it does in God, but it's distinct. Our friendship isn't all mine, it's not all yours, there's something between us. It goes beyond simply the two of us. There's a trinity in that too. And so, as we look out on the world in which we live, we see that reality of God. Imagine looking at a tree and seeing only a tree. Or looking at a mountain and seeing only a mountain. Or going to the seashore, looking at the ocean and seeing just a large body of water without realizing the God who created it and the God who maintains it in existence and the and the God whose reflection those beings are. I've often said it takes great courage to be an atheist, to go outside and see all that and say it's all going nowhere. and has no meaning whatsoever. It's trying to, it screams at us, as St. Augustine would suggest, about the being of God. Remember what St. Augustine said? Who made all of these beautiful changing things, if not he who is beautiful and changeth not? What about us as individuals? Well, how do we reflect that being? It seems we only have ones and twos of things. One mouth, two eyes, two ears, one stomach. 
But there is something in us that is of the Trinity. Yesterday, Dr. Paul Griffith mentioned this at the graduation commencement exercises of St. Thomas More Academy. What do we see in us? The good, the true, and the beautiful. We're made up of really two parts. But the one part, the soul, has two parts. The intellect and the will. True, the good, and the beautiful. Either the, their beauty or the beauty of the body. Our body, whatever it might be at any time, is still a reflection of the Trinity, a reflection of God, and should be used and recognized as such. That's the Trinity in us, intellect, will, body, but also any beauty that is in the intellect and the will. So God is always shining that Trinity through us. Remember what St. Augustine said? I mention this every year. He was walking along the seashore, trying to th- figure out the Trinity in his mind. And he saw a small boy who had dug a hole in the sand. He was taking a clamshell and was put, taking water from the sea and putting it into the hole. And St. Augustine said to the boy, what are you doing? And he said, I intend to empty the ocean into this hole. And St. Augustine realized that to empty the ocean into that hole was like trying to understand the Trinity. You simply couldn't do it. If you think about it, if we get into a boat to go out into the middle of the ocean, when we get there, we all of a sudden realize just how much greater this body of water was than we thought it was, and that we really can't grasp it at all. And it's only a little old ocean as compared to God. But there's one more thing that must be said. That trinity that we never seem to be able to speak of very well wanted us to understand that love to such an extent that the Father sent the Son. The Son took our nature and was able to be obedient to the Father. And the Holy Spirit binds us together in that, in the Church. So the Trinity is with us always, but right now there's only one... Our first obligation to the Trinity is to worship the Trinity. That's our first obligation. There's only one perfect act of worship, though, and that's what we are doing here, even if we are imperfect. Here, we have that worship. In fact, at the very end of the Eucharistic prayer, we say it all. Through him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. And so the Trinity then comes to us, and we see God made visible. We only know, in this life, we we don't know God directly. We only know him through his effects. But here, God becomes visible through the power of the Holy Spirit because the Father has sent him. And we are drawn up into that mystery, as I say to our servers. We're drawn up into heaven for a brief moment. So, um, you may not go home terribly excited about all this, but if we spend time in the presence of the Trinity, the Trinity will then work on us, but only if we do that in silence. It's always a wonderful thing if you're sitting in a chapel of perpetual adoration to see someone come in and just sit down for a few moments. They're in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord, who is really there, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and the Father and the Holy Spirit are equally there, working on that person as he is on you or me if we're there. So here we are uh, in the presence of this great mystery and this great act of love, So, we are loved. Uh, You know, there's a 
very short prayer after Mass that a priest, a priest may say if he wishes, but I find rather beautiful. He says, May the tribute of my humble ministry be pleasing to you, Holy Trinity. Grant the sacrifice which I, unworthy as I am, have offered in the presence of your majesty may be acceptable to you. Through your mercy, may it bring forgiveness to me and for all for whom I have offered it. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the gift of yourself, your Son, and the Holy Spirit, and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always be visible signs of this Trinity dwelling in them, in grace. Especially the Church suffering, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, they may come to know God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and his church. We pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, they may know that in their suffering they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if they are in the state of grace and may be strengthened and healed by that indwelling. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have wandered from the Trinity, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, beautiful reflection of the Trinity, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will respond to the call of God, for a greater reverence for the witness of the presence of the Trinity in marriage and for the presence of God in the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that being filled with the grace of the Trinity, they may be then visible signs of that to others, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are traveling this weekend, especially our own parishioners, that they may travel safely and return safely, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are graduating, having received the truth, they may then reflect it in love, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who died in the battlefield, especially today, for the members of our armed forces who have died for our country, for all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, that they may behold the beatific vision, that they may behold the Trinity. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful depart. And for all of us here, and our lives will give true witness to the Trinity. As that Trinity dwells in us, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the spouse of the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Mother, as we sing.
one final thought, that if we are, because of our baptism, if we are in the state of grace, the Trinity dwells in us. <laughs>